Guys, I'm really into things that add more convenience to my life. It's even better when it also comes with safety in a high quality package. I'm talking about my Eufy Video Lock. I'm still loving this thing. I love this thing so much that I'd like to invest in the company. I am so impressed with this product that I'm willing to back it. And if anyone out there knows how I can do it, please reach out. You gotta check it out for yourself. I'll probably do a quick social post, but for now, just search UV Video Lock. Do it online. It's a three-in-one smart lock, 2K camera with an audio and doorbell. It's easy to install. It has fingerprint recognition, so I don't even have to remember a code. I can control it all in an app, which again, the convenience is such a big plus for me. We are always on the go, and being able to monitor our home on the road is such a nice option. Not only that, I don't have to rush to the door if the doorbell rings. I can either open the door or ignore whoever's at the door by vetting them through the app. There is no monthly fees for security video storage. The battery is rechargeable, and each charge lasts about four months. This UV lock is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Search Eufy Video Lock online. That's Eufy, E-U-F-Y Video Lock, or visit eufyofficial.com backslash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your front door. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by overpriced wireless providers, if we've learned anything, guys, it's that there's always a catch. So when I heard that for a limited time, all Mint Mobile wireless plans are 15 bucks a month when you purchase a three-month plan, I thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they sell wireless service online. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly on to you. I haven't skipped a beat using Mint Mobile services. I have a great service even when I'm traveling for over less than 70% of what I was paying before. Listen to Uncle Chael and say bye-bye to your overpriced wireless plans, jaw-dropping monthly bills and unexpected overages. Mint Mobile is here to rescue you with premium wireless plans starting at 15 bucks a month. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and Bring your phone number along with all your existing contacts. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for 15 bucks a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash chael. That's mintmobile.com slash chael. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash chael. $45 upfront payment required. That's equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower, above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details.
What's happening, guys? Happy Tuesday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. To all the dads who listen to this program, I hope you had a great Father's Day. I know I certainly did. Coming up on today's show, there's a Hazmat Shemayev look-alike. Plus, John Jones and Francis Ngannou went face-to-face, and I'm going to tell you why Michael Chandler needs to start speaking up before we get to all that, guys. We saw a hell of a fight go down this weekend in Las Vegas. Cannoneer. Jared Cannoneer is such an interesting one for me. He really is. I met Cannoneer one time. Maybe I should disclose this. I met him one time. And he was so pleasant and he was so nice to me that I've taken that with me. I was with him three to five minutes. But he was so pleasant to be around that I can't go anywhere and talk about Jared Cannoneer and not be positive about him. And even the times where I give him tough love, It's tough love from a standpoint of me offering suggestions that I think would push his career even further. But if you told me that in the entertainment era where we live, if you told me you were going to have a multiple-time main eventer, Cannoneer's last three fights have been main event. That's off the top of my head. I don't know what his one before that was. I go back to Izzy. I guess Cannoneer's fight before that was with Brunson, and that was a co-main. So I am right. I go to Izzy. I go to Strickland. I go to Vittori. Three times in a row, he's a main eventer. There are 738 athletes under contract with the Ultimate Fighting Championship right now. 30 of them, at a maximum, will become a main event. It's a very, very rare thing. And Cannoneer did it against the best guys in the world once, twice, three times. Cannoneer is getting better. What do you want to do with that? It's a big deal. It's a really big deal when you've got a king of the division like Adesanya, right? Adesanya is not just the best fighter today. This is a generational fighter. There is no one from this era who is reasonably going to bring him down. That invokes rematches. And that lack of parity is a problem for business. But when you have a guy like Jared Cannonier and you understand that we're going to be doing rematches because everybody in the top five has already fought the number one guy. Anyone in the top five, which is all the matchmakers draw from, you won't find a number six. You won't find a number nine. You go back and you look within the modern era. If you're going to fight for a title, you got to be somewhere in the number five. You don't have to be the number one guy. You have to be the number two guy. But you do have to be in the top five, and you're not going to find an exception to that. Now, that's a policy, that's not a rule, and it's one, like anything, we're going to have to get around. Because if we don't, we're going to continue to see Adesanya doing things that we've already seen Adesanya do. But now that we accept the fact that that is the way that it's going to be, when you look at Jared Cannonier and you realize he's better today than he was then, it's the most compelling thing you could ever have for a rematch. When an athlete demonstrates he is better now than he was then, that is the most compelling ingredient you can have for a rematch. Guys, remember when Cormier did that? Cormier fought John Jones, and oh man, this is the one. This is the one. Daniel Cormier, John Jones. Daniel is the guy. Didn't go his way. John sat out. Daniel went to work. Beautiful matches with the late, great Anthony Johnson. Oh, just incredible performances. And But now we know when John comes back, right, John got worse by not doing it. Daniel's clearly gotten better. So now when they come back and we can redo this match, now we're going to set things straight. 
I'm just sharing for you an example of a fight that was a rematch, but it had the ingredient that was necessary. The challenger is now better than he was the first time. And I've just seen that with Jared Cannonier. Jared Cannonier comes out of this fight. He doesn't say boo. He doesn't say boo if he has a mouthful of it. That bothers me. Now, over time, those things can work, right? Chuck Liddell is the example I always like to give. Chuck Liddell went on to be the most recognizable face in all of MMA. And he also went on to be the biggest star, the number one draw, the most dependable box office hit you could have was Chuck Liddell. That is all true. I just suggest for you that he threw five years away before he got to that point. I didn't see anything with the Chuck Liddell that was the world champion that was doing the Iceman gimmick that what, I don't know what this is to this day. But I don't see anything different with that star, with that must-see attraction than the previous five years. I, I didn't see anything different. But if you take that slow approach, there's a lot of honor in it. There's a lot of sportsmanship in it. And you did it your way. And you can definitely hold your head high. I just submit for you, it would be a little bit more helpful if we heard more from Jared Cannonier, particularly since he has such an interesting story. Jared Cannonier was a truck driver in Alaska. He was a heavyweight. He was an out-of-shape man is why he weighed 240-plus pounds. He was out of shape because he was sitting all day. He was sitting all day because he was driving truck. That's a fascinating story. Who believed in him? Who would have possibly encouraged him? Who possibly would have seen a 240-pound truck driver with no experience and throw an arm around him and say, hey, you got to get over this martial arts gym. I really think you could be good, kid. Nobody. That's the answer. He did this all on his own. That's awesome. I just would encourage him to get out and tell that story. Now, with all of that said, Jared Cannonier has finally said something. He said it very politely, but I heard it, and I loved it. And all Cannonier said, this is after his big win against Marvin, which many people have called the greatest fight they've ever seen. And I do believe if that fight were in a sold-out arena, right, because th there's something with the optics. That's true. It, it really does matter on the optics. Nothing has ever even been in contention for greatest fight ever that didn't happen either in UFC, Bellator, one championship, because it's something with the production. It looks a different way. You could have had three times the fight down at the local dog park caught on your mother's iPhone. It will never even be in contention. But we agree, right? We, we agree with what I just said, of course. I say it even though obvious just to bring to your attention that the atmosphere matters. And I believe if Jared and Marvin did what they did in front of 15,000 screaming fans, the talk of it was one of the great fights ever probably goes away and we just call it one of the great fights ever. That's what I think. Now, in the wake of all of that, you have Jaron Cannonier say that he wants to fight Hazmat Chemayev. Wow. That's interesting. And it's interesting for so many reasons. First off, nobody wants to fight Hazmat Shemayev. You fight him when you have to fight him. Second, no middleweight is under obligation to mention Hazmat at all because he's yet to clarify that he is now a middleweight. 
we keep hearing these rumors, guys. We keep hearing these rumors. But then we hear another rumor that we believe, too, that they're in a discussion of a catch weight. And then remember his previous fight that was at 178 pounds. And even if there's a backstory on how they got there, you start to realize that regardless of what the rumor about Chamayev, they so often turn out to not be true. So Jerry Cannon, who's now a top guy, three times, three times, three times main eventer. That's something Hosmet Chamayev cannot say. By the way, it's a really big deal. has now said that he wants to fight the wolf. Nobody's ever said those words. I've never heard those words. And one thing that Chemayev needs and that he makes sure that he finds is anger. He must be. Everybody's got their approach. Some guys, they like to be the favorite. Some guys like to be the underdog. Some guys like to bare their head for 30 days. Some guys like to be out there and doing media 30 minutes before the fight, right? That guys have a different approach. But Shemaev, for the perfect approach, if he could design it, will be against somebody he doesn't like. Somebody that he's got heat with. You're not going to get that with Jared. I can sit around and complain that he misses opportunities in the entertainment era all that I want. He's a three-time main eventer. His next fight, should he draw Chemayev, is going to be a big, beautiful feature matchup. Not to mention, Chemayev appears to be right. I'm going off of, of information that we have, and we're admitting that we've got limited information, but Chemayev appears to be sitting and waiting in a co-main spot on an October card that appears to be headlined by Islam versus Charles, even though two days ago, Charles went on his social media and says that he's fighting Connor. Like, okay, look... Let's try to stay focused here. We've got Chemayev, and we thought he was fighting Paulo Acosta, but that got pulled. We wish to God in heaven above he's fighting Bo Nickel, but Bo's assigned somewhere else. We've got nobody for him. And all of a sudden, Jared Cannonier, three-time, three-time, three-time main eventer, former number one contender, says, I would like to fight him. That's interesting. That's awesome. Jared Cannonier deserves respect. He deserves appreciation. Guys, he doesn't seem like the kind of guy that's going to go out there and get it for himself. But we have a responsibility, right? And we have a voice. And for everything that Jared's done for us, and now for what he's asking and willing to go and do for us again, let's get behind him. Jared Cannonier versus Chemaya. Pay-per-view, co-main, October. Who's with me? Cannoneer, Marvin Vittori. Guys, I'm not ready to let this go. I thought I was. I thought I had moved on. But there's a lot of questions that came out of that evening, right? And there's two Marvin Vittoris, by the way. There's the Marvin that you saw on Saturday. Awesome, right? That's a hard night out. But there's a more dangerous Marvin known as Angry Marvin. And Jared Cannoneer didn't bring out Angry Marvin. And I don't know if that was on purpose or for strategy or if it was just a byproduct of the way Jared Cannonier conducts himself. But I'm sharing for you, it was awesome. And when it was over, I don't know where the winner goes. I never knew going into this fight what they were fighting about, what they were fighting for. I mean, was this a contendership match? Was this the one that qualifies you for the one? Is this just for ranking? You're a former contender. I'm a former contender. We got to find each other. I'm okay with all of those things. I just share for you. When the fight was done, I wasn't clear on where the winner was going to go in this case, Jared. But I also 
am not sold on the idea that there's going to be a fall for the loser, in this case, Vittori. And that's one of the things when you go into these fights and you build them up yourself. When you go in and you build, right, you'll see guys that don't ever build a fight and then they'll tell you, well, that's not what I'm here to do. Or they'll tell you that's unsportsmanlike. Or they'll tell you I'm just a purist at heart and I let my skills speak for me. You'll hear all of these things that are all untrue. There is a risk and it requires a courage and most do not have it. When you bring attention to your match and you talk about how great your skills are and you guarantee victory before you go out there, there is a risk because the fall will be further and harder than had you not done that. That's true. Now, the other side of it is the rise is better. If you want to bump out of your fight, you've got to bring that attention to it. You've got to put out the five W's of who, what, when, why, and where, and the biggest emphasis needs to be on why. Now, if you don't do that, you don't have the same risk, and if you lose, you don't fall very far, and this is a very similar situation that we're in. But as we come out of this fight, we then have Jared Cannonier. Did you guys hear what Vittori had to say, by the way? He is so tough. Oh, my God, Marvin Vittori. Marvin Vittori admitted that those shots were, were days in him. But he would tell himself as he was dazed and seeing stars, just stay in it, you'll come back. And pretty soon they did, and it shook off, and he's back in a fight, and he takes another one, and he's seeing stars, and he tells him, keeps himself calm, says, hang in there, Marvin, you'll come back, you'll come, and then all of a sudden, he's back. And it was a very simple comment by him, but boy, was it ever true, and it was impressive to hear that he was able to do that and reset and keep that focus for 25 minutes straight. It was really quite an incredible thing. So, go back to Jared, because when the fight ends, Jared speaks up, says that he would like to go, and he would like to fight Chemayev. Now, this is interesting, though, because all we've ever heard about Chemayev, and we've even heard this is for travel reasons, of which I, I don't know if that's accurate or not, but I, I'll admit that I heard the rumor. We're going to put him in a co-main event spot on the October card underneath only Islam and a world title defense. It's so important that we have Chemayev. It's so important because we don't yet know who Islam's opponent's going to be and we're not yet sold on the idea that Islam can draw. So we are absolutely going to make sure that we have the wolf in this co-main spot and we're going to do it in advance, six months, and pencil in Paula Costa. And we believe this to be true. We believe this to be true and then it was confirmed by both Chemayev and Paulo Costa, great, we got to fight. Well, nothing changes. Absolutely nothing changes in any of our days. But we get an announcement that Paulo Costa is scheduled to go with somebody else. So that leaves it open for Chemayev. But when you know, a rumor comes in that Kamar Usman wants that exact job. Boom. Set. Beautiful. Jemayev, Kamara. Hey, why isn't this signed? Well, it's not signed yet because they want to do a catchweight and we don't want to do a catchweight. Okay, well, we can get that worked out because it's not actually about the weight. It's about what winning that fight would mean, which would mean you're a number one contender. And for very valid reasons, Kamara is not looking to take any thunder from Adesanya, his fellow countrymen, he'd like to go back down to 170. I think that we all understand that, but either way, it's what stopped that match. It was not the weight. 
185 pounds with that schedule for. You could have made that at 185.1 pounds. You could make it at 188. You could make it bigger. Just to prove my point, it has nothing to do with the weight. It has to do with the contendership. We don't even want this discussion going. I can stop it hard as long as I don't go on an actual weight class. Now, I bring this to you because then we get confronted. And, right, and, the, bigger, and the bigger thing is what are we going to do with Izzy? And we find out from Dana White that there's a brand new television deal in Australia. It's going to activate in August and they're going to take Adesanya. Wow, that's that's incredible. That sounds like a real opportunity. Who are you going to take him against? Well, we we also know that Duplices is who Izzy wants. Duplices is ranked number six. We take guys from the top five all the time. We've never taken anybody out of the top five, but we could do that here, and we could do it in the form of Duplices. This is going to be the match. But then we find out that Duplices and Whitaker are matched up. And you start selling yourself on ideas like, okay, they're going to fight, and then the winner will take on Izzy. I mean, I, I know that we all do that. I do that too. But guys, we're just selling ourselves. We we were positive that Paulo Costa was going to fight Shemaev. So now we're positive that Duplices versus Whitaker happened, and we're extra positive as long as that is Duplices and not Whitaker. I mean, we're just going in circles here. At some point, you got to make the match. you got to make the matches you can make when you can make them. This plan of Bill or this plan of down the road has ended in disaster. Nine to one. Over it all worked out and it worked out two years from now just as we had planned. It ends in disaster all the time. So we've now got an available... Shemaev, who just called out, got called out by Cannoneer. That is the first time in history that Shemaev has been called out. Of course you make that match. Of course, today. But it hasn't been made yet. And August isn't all that far away. We're told that Adesanya is getting brought out there. He's going to be on top of the bill. So we've got an available Shemaev. We have available Adesanya, both with placements and both with dates, if we're to operate under the information that we have, which always turns out to be shoddy. We have Kamar Usman flirting with the idea of the weight class, and we have Jared Cannonier who just called out the wolf. Those are the pieces. And you got a little bit of time, but you also got a finish line. October card is set. This August business in Australia is set. And each day that we get closer and we lack opponents for our stars, gets more and more interesting. So what do you think is going to happen? Where's Kamara end up? Does Jared get his ask? Does Jemayev respond to the call out? Does Adesanya have a healthy, viable opponent by the time Duplices and Whitaker are done bludgeoning one another? It's a good time to be a fan of MMA. Are you guys following this guy? Boris, they call him, which stands for Wolf. You know about him, Chechenian fighter? Real short hair, kind of a cool looking beard. Absolute hammer, ferocious, known for conditioning. Are you following this guy? First name is Hazmat. Do you, are, do you know who I'm talking about? 
because it's not Chemayev. There's another one. There's another guy. The Hazmat Chemayev. Your guys is Hazmat Chemayev. Where did he fight before he came to the UFC? Do you know? Fought in an organization called Brave. And Brave is not only doing such a good job. I mean, they're putting out beautiful production. Some of their PR and some of their marketing could be a little bit stronger for a global appeal. But boy, when you start watching this Brave organization, these guys are on fire. And it's where Chemayev came from. Now, I just want to work through this again, right? Boris is what they call Chemayev, which means wolf. Hazmat is what they call him because it's his first name. Chechnya is where he's from because that's where the hospital that his mother had him was at. I mean, right, I could go on and on. Guy's 170 pounds. Got the same haircut, got the same look. When you put them side by side, you say, hey, I really see a resemblance there. And I assume perhaps there was, but there's not. I looked into it. You know, were they cousins or brothers or relatives or distant? No, they weren't. Wasn't the situation. And I don't know if they know one another. I don't know. Because one thing about your Chemai of Hazma, he's very young. And you guys don't always think of him like that. He's accomplished so much and he's done it so rapid. And he's a veteran of our industry now. And there are talks of him to go and fight either the former world champion or to fight for the world championship. He's a real veteran, right? But you forget he's very young. And it's uncommon that somebody, no matter the homage or respect they want to pay to somebody who came before them, it's very rare that they would do that in name and likeness and style to somebody as young as Chemayev. Now, I don't have evidence or proof otherwise. This I've, I've laid out my detective work for you. I admit there's some holes in my theory. But I think it's a coincidence, guys. I think this is all a coincidence. And when I watch this other Hazmat, Hazbat non Chemayev. I am so impressed. He had a fight over the weekend in the Brave organization. In case you guys didn't see it, listen to me instead of going and looking up. I'll, I'll tell you even better because it's one of my colloquialisms, okay? Chemayev comes across the ring. He's got, a, he's got an opponent that looks pretty good. This opponent, right, if a picture's worth a thousand words, man, this guy's put together. He looks pretty light on his feet. He comes out there. He snatches up a single leg. So not Chemayev is on one leg because his opponent has the other leg. Now, the reason I work myself into this is I've told you guys a hundred times, that is a philosophical position within combat. Do you have the guy's leg? Do you have the guy's leg or does the guy have both of your hands? Single legs don't work in MMA. You should never drill them. You should never practice them. And in all the years of MMA, you have one exception by the name of Chris Weidman. One exception ever that could go out and get one leg and take you down. Because you can't have a leg. You're giving him both of your hands. And the reason I say that is not Jemayev just stood on the one good foot that he had and started elbowing. Started giving the Travis Brown elbows right to the head. Knocked him out right there in the center of the octagon. So now the bigger question becomes, and the whole reason I'm coming to you guys today, what do you do with him and when do you do it? What do you do with Hazmat Nachemayev? And I have felt before that I know the answer because I think twins are so helpful. The Sarah brothers weren't twins, to my knowledge. I thought it was helpful having two of them. The Hughes brothers were twins. I thought it was helpful. I wanted to see more of Mark. Maybe I'm speaking for myself here, but I liked it. I liked it, and that dates all the way back to UFC 1 in 1993. 
where you had the Shamrock brothers, right? Where we found about the Gracie brothers and cousins and family. I just think that it's a helpful thing. Where I think people disagree with me is looking at Nurmagomedov's. You have Khabib Nurmagomedov that we deem to be so helpful. We are going to beg him to not retire. Oh, and by the way, we're going to get Hazmat Chemayev, who can represent some of that same demographic, and we're going to get him to the top of the bill as quickly as we can. We have other Nurmagomedovs who are much more accomplished than these other names you're bringing up. Who not only represent that same demographic, they'll represent it while being from the same family. And we saw with Gracie how helpful that was for a meaningful period of time. If your last name was Gracie, you were getting on a card if you wanted there. You were going to get in a, a feature match on a card if your last name was Gracie. You're going to make a lot more money than everybody else on the card with the same experience level as you if your name is Gracie. I've always seen it as something that could be helpful, but I haven't really seen that, at least not as a predetermined indicator. The Magomedovs are now doing very good. One of them is about to main event opposite Corey Sandhagen. Got another Nurmagomedov with just as beautiful of a 17-0 record as the reigning Bellator champion of the world, 155 pounds. But it seemed as though what we could have used as to get this momentum and really get this ball rolling, it seems as though somebody somewhere sees it another way. And I would just be curious what that is. I'd be very curious. We have this great talent who's named Boris, who's from Chechnya. He's got the same haircut, similar beard. Real close fighting style, non-stop aggression, found a way to weaponize pace, beautiful and undefeated record. First name is Hosma. That's a story to me. To me, that's a story. I'm just wondering who's with me on this. If you, if you know who this guy is, then you're just as impressed as I am. If you've watched him fight, you see the potential and you know this is a future title challenger at a minimum. At a minimum, we're, we're kind of reckless when we say this is a future champion, eh, but he's a future contender. I feel as though he's quite possibly a current contender. So what do you do with him and when do you do it? When do you bring him over? It's a very interesting question because if I am being met with resistance, if somebody has an idea opposite of mine and there is a little bit of a resistance there, where does it come from? Is it the similarities? Is it confusing? Do you think there's only room for one? By example, if he grew his hair, shaved his beard, changed his nickname, just by example, would that be more or less helpful to the juvenation of his career? Simple question, but it's a sincere one. If you've got the answer, I'd love to hear it. Courage is a weird thing. It really is. What is courageous is a very strange thing. You will meet somebody and see, we always take somebody at their word. This is one of the problems that I will share with people who are students. You've only got a few kinds of people. You have the guy that was the victim that, that couldn't go on and he couldn't pursue this and he didn't know how to afford it and he didn't have the support of fill in the blank. You have the other guy that's done all of those things and had all those opportunities, but he still needs one more book. He needs one more class. He needs one more internship. He's almost there. He's almost ready. And you have the other guy that says, I'm ready right now, right now. 
But what should be most fascinating about that, and you guys know that to be true, but what you should find most, most fascinating is society will believe you no matter which one it is. If you say, I'm ready now, there is nobody in society, there's no walk of life that's going to come to you and say, no, you're not. You need more. You need one more class, one more internship, one more book. You will say it to yourself, and when it's no longer true, you will then say it to the public, and the public will believe it. And I bring you that just with courage as well. I know people that portray themselves as very brave, but they've never actually been in that spot. They portray themselves as a person who, if put in that position, will stand up at the gates of hell. And you have somebody else that is very meager that will let you know without question, I am going to buckle. I'm not the one that you can count on. Don't put me in that position. But the reality is neither one of them is at all likely to be confronted with it. You'll have people that will get credit. They'll get credited for being so nice and being so gentle. But the other side of the coin is they're weak. They had no choice. You will get people who, in a relationship standpoint, have never looked outside of it. They've never stepped in a different direction, and they get credit. They had no opportunity. They were alone with you by default. I'm just sharing with you. It's very different, right? Until you actually get tested, you don't know. So I would look at John Jones as one of the rarest talents and one of the most dangerous men to ever walk the earth. Is that a big compliment? I can't think of anything higher. That's before the fact that, that he's got a, a snub nose 38 hooked to his ankle. I mean, like, this is a dangerous guy. I would look at Francis Ngannou very similar. And a lot of Francis's isn't because of the same athleticism. A lot of it is he was just blessed with this size and this beautiful body. But either way, I would put him as one of the more dangerous men out there. Do you agree? But you don't actually know. You don't actually know until that's actually tested as a coach. If a kid tells me I'm running practice and a kid tells me he's hurt or he tells me he's sick, I have never, ever in 28 years of coaching challenged him. I tell him, okay, and I let him go sit down every time. And at the end of practice, when I have a group, right, or in the harder the practice is, the more kids that are hurt and sick. Happens every single time. So when I have a group of kids, six, seven of them, all in the same practice that are now sitting on the wall, at the end of practice, I will declare a game. I will blow the whistle. I will get everybody's attention. I will throw the ball to the middle, and I will explain we're going to do dodgeball. And every single one of those kids, including the ones that were sick and tired, come out to play the game. And it is in that moment when we all realize you're not sick and you're not tired. This was something that you didn't want to do. We've now found something that you do want to do and you mysteriously are feeling good. It's a very small trick. It's not even my own, but a lot of coaches will do this. And we'll do it. And after we do it, we will then bring it to everybody's attention. We don't call them out one by one and make them embarrassed. We speak to the entire group and we say, we had a group of young men that were out today. But when we played a game, they all came back in. John Jones and Francis Ngannou fainted that they wanted to fight one another. They did the best that they could to faint this. They laughed and they smiled in the media and they laughed and smiled in the cameras and they said that they would do it. And they even every now and then 
got a little wine drunk and would tweet something out for the whole world to see that they wanted to fight one another. They cannot fight each other. They can't do it. France is in a different organization. Francis isn't even fighting anymore for, for all I know. He's next year or something like this. They can't fight each other now. And they came face to face over the weekend. Did you guys see that? Face to face. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to address this. I'm going to walk right up to you. Face to face, these two came. There was captions I saw. That there was Don't you wish you could hear what could be said? What I'd give to know what was said between those two. It didn't matter what was said at all. It could have been, hello, how are you? Do you have a recommendation for me to get a steak tonight? It could have been that. Or it could have been, you dumb son of a bitch. If you ever get in there with me, I'm going to break every bone in your body. It doesn't really make a bit of difference. They were saying it for the face-off. And they both had whatever in their own minds, right? When John came to his house and walked up to him on the floor, or Francis stood the ground at the door and let John Jones know. Whatever make-believe tough guy story they would like to do, they both came in here with the absolute protection of knowing we can't fight each other. One year ago today, they could have. And they kind of tried. I mean, like, if you really held their feet to the fire, they, you know, they, they kind of mentioned, yeah, I would do that. I, you know, pay me a whole bunch of money, but I would do Like, they did everything they could to really sidestep and pussyfoot it when they actually could have happened. And as soon as it cannot happen, you put them in the building together and we're going to go face to face. That is some cowardly, cowardly stuff to, to the highest level. And you'll meet people all the time. You might be one of them that represents yourself as a certain kind of guy. But how many times have you actually been tested? How many times? How many times are you going to talk about to the world, oh, this is my one true girl. And then you have to reveal out the other side that you despise exercise. You've been unemployed and you're down in your mother's basement. Like, I mean, how many times? Are you going to act as though you have virtue and bravado? But when you're actually confronted with, right, it's one of these really weird things. I treat everybody very nice. If you've ever met me in person, you would say that I treat everybody very nice. But you know what? I don't have to. I am a wolf. They love to tell you about the elephant and the lion and how great they are. The elephant and the lion are just fine. But the wolf doesn't perform in a circus. Don't ever forget. Sugar Sean, one of many, but Sugar Sean came out over the weekend and said that he is interested in Charles Oliveira versus Conor McGregor. Now, I'm singling out Sean. But I heard a beat like that repeatedly. I heard it from personal friends. I read about it in chat rooms. There was a headline somewhere. Somebody posted on Charles Oliveira's verified Twitter account that it's going to be Charles versus McGregor. I even spent a little bit of time looking into that because that, that's wild. I am the one that told all of you guys Charles doesn't want to fight Islam. I went as far as to tell you Charles is going to underperform against Benny because the winner of this takes on Islam, which is something that Charles doesn't want to do. Now, I also came out and told you I apologize. I will not speak about Charles like that anymore.
But when his own Twitter account tries to take you in a direction opposite a world title fight, that's very interesting and that's very damning. By the way, if Charles doesn't want to fight for the world championship, don't have him fight for the championship. I mean, like that's real easy math. Now, as I dig into that, I find out Charles does not operate his own Twitter account. Somebody else does. Somebody else posted it, and Charles was not even aware. This is the way the story goes. Fine. But as I read the thoughts of so many sharing different opponents for Connor, oh, uh, Nate Diaz and the return and everything's going to line up. I mean, I've heard this one to nauseam. I've heard about Islam. I've heard about Dustin and Justin. I've heard about the one that is planned with Chandler. I, I hear all these different things, and it sounds as though you're missing the entire point. If Conor McGregor wanted to fight, he would go and get in the pool so that he became eligible to get a license, which makes it eligible for somebody on the second floor of the UFC to send him what's known as a bout agreement. But this is the order. This is the order of events. And none of them have happened. It is not a matter that you're not on second base or you're on third base. It's not a matter of that. You, you haven't pulled up to the field before you even get out of your car and start looking for which diamond is assigned to your team. Like, he is nowhere in this process. Why do I say that? I say that because so many people that want to be clever keep trying to find another opponent for Connor. Connor is a Ferrari. Everybody wants a Ferrari. The Ferrari will turn everybody's head. You have, you've accomplished nothing, and you've proven yourself as a makeshift matchmaker to be worthless. Anybody that keeps matching up Connor with a fight that you'd like to see, you couldn't get a wrong answer. It could be Connor versus your neighbor. Just so you understand. But you got one guy here that actually wants to fight. That's Michael Chandler, who has actually done everything possible to be able to fight. He is in the USADA pool. He is eligible to have a license. He could get a bout agreement today. And he also has emphasized that for a very big match, right, a guy in his position generally wants to stay in his lane of 155 pounds. Michael Chandler is still in pursuit of a world championship. Michael Chandler versus Islam is a very interesting match. But he's stubbed his toe a couple of times, and he's made it very clear for big fights he's willing to go up to 170 pounds. So, I mean, I'm just bringing to your attention that when you're out there looking for opponents for Connor, you're looking at opponents for the wrong guy. Good job saying that Connor versus Charles is, is going to be exciting and do good business. Great job with that. Great job telling me Connor versus Nate Diaz is going to be good business. Well, way to go. Connor is not in the pool. He does not have a license. He's not eligible to receive a bout agreement. Finding matches for Connor McGregor makes you a bit of a weirdo. There is a guy, however, who is here, who's done everything right, who was promised to fight. His name is Michael Chandler. It's becoming more and more obvious that Michael Chandler is not going to get the fight that he was promised, which is Connor. And at some point, what difference does it make? I'm owed a Connor fight. I was told that by the right people. If I did these steps, I would get a Connor fight. I went and did those steps. Great. We'll give you the Connor fight as soon as he fights again. In the meanwhile, what difference does it make if Chandler was to go out and have somebody else? Like, do you foresee in your mind a time that Conor McGregor could return? 
that whoever that opponent is meaningful, right? Because we're not talking about Conor has to come back into a championship fight. That talk was out here for a while. At 70 or 55, if that's what the kid wanted, he could have it. But those talks aren't there now. Connor's not coming off of a win. Connor's not the number one contender. He's not the number one ranked guy. He's not coming off of a, a, a big, great, big finish. That is quite the opposite. He lost his last fight in a great, big finish. I don't have his record in front of me, but off the top of my head, he lost his one before that, too. That was Dustin Poirier. I don't know who the previous one, maybe that was the Cowboy match. Things went his way, but I'm, I'm just sharing for you. What would be different? What would be different a year from now? What would be different if Chandler has two or three matches, even if they all go terribly wrong? What would the difference be of putting Connor and Chandler in there in summer of next year? What difference would it make? I mean, is that what you really think the problem is? I mean, if you're being a Connor nut hugger and you're trying to be a cyber matchmaker, what is it about the fight against Nate that's going to change things and make Connor enter the pool? I mean, is it an opponent issue? He's just not happy with the opponent? That's what you're making believe. You think that Connor is going to be more motivated to fight Charles Oliver? Connor could raise his hand today and say, I'll fight Charles Oliver and I'll fight Nate. He's not in the pool. He will do none of those things. It's all talk. So if you're finding an opponent for somebody and you want to actually be helpful and give us an idea where we go, oh, wow, hey, that's great. Do it for Chandler. Find a guy for Chandler. Connor now cannot fight this year. Per the rules of Usai, he can't fight this year. But if you go get a calendar out and you look at the available dates, th there's not something reasonable in the first quarter of next year. Not reasonable. You could make it happen, but not reasonably. You're pushed all the way out until May of next year by Connor not entering the pool to be able to be plugged in to one of two events, the November pay-per-view or the December pay-per-view. For Connor to not enter the pool to be able to go into one of those spots doesn't just kick the can until the next year. It kicks it till midway through next year. So at what point do we try to find an opponent for Michael Chandler? Now you don't have to be you don't have to be Columbo here. I'll tell you exactly at what point. We do it once Chandler starts speaking up and getting people behind him or as soon as the Ultimate Fighter wraps. The week that it wraps, we can then go in and we will go into a discussion of what's next for Michael Chandler. Oh, by the way, you're not going to believe this, but it's not Conor McGregor. And those are the kinds of coincidences that you can't let happen. On any side of this. You cannot let those coincidences happen. Withholding information and opportunity and money from a guy who did what he was asked to do. To, to hold that from. But to do it in that fashion, you can't do it. This is bad form. And we, we could clear this up and show good faith real easy. Which is, it's looking a little bit strange. Connor has not done what Connor told us he would do. He has never entered the pool. Now, the other side of that is Usada, who has access to Connor, has never asked him for a sample. God, I hope that argument gets tested. That's a big deal. They could walk up to him right now and ask him. But here's what we're going to do. Because this is what Connor said, because of all the things that our partners and our fans and this wonderful opponent, Michael Chandler, over here have done, because of all these things, we are going to honor as close to this as we can. I'm going to do that by simply making this very clear. If Conor McGregor returns, he will return against Michael Chandler. 
If he never returns, he returns as nobody. If he returns, whether that's next year, the year after that, or down the road, he will return against Michael Chandler. If those words are said, everything goes away. But right now, this is ugly. And it's only ugly because it's so obvious. And it's so obvious, but it's getting over because you cyber matchmakers keep trying to book matches for the Ferrari. Who isn't licensed? Who doesn't want to fight? You want to go out there? You want to be helpful? You want to put a great match together? Go ahead and do it. Got two weight classes to choose from. Find somebody for Michael Chandler. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And guys, I would like you to do me a favor. I want you to go over to Apple Podcasts or to Spotify and just hit the plus sign. Heck, do it on each platform. Every little bit helps me continue doing the show. And I know you all love it. I'm going to be back for more on Friday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen. And you are welcome. <laughs>